interested in listening to this kindergarten. Are we finished here? No, we ain't finished here, ladies. Sit down. What else do you want? No! myself welcome everybody to dead talk live and it is my honor and pleasure tonight to welcome our very special guest who we all know as sarah from 1985's day of the dead laurie cardio laurie thank you so much for being here with us how are you doing tonight i'm good it's so good to be here you have a great show i hear so many great things about it so it's always nice to meet fans through a great show, especially. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, now, let's just get right into it. You are a Pittsburgh native. How did you get drawn into the world of George Romero? Well, it's like, it's kind of a long, convoluted story. Um, well, my f I went to Carnegie Mellon University to study theater. And that was like in 19... I graduated CMU at 76. And uh, my father who was Bill Cardell, Billy, was in the original Night of the Living Dead, and he played himself, um, the announcer. And um, so my dad had this horror show in Pittsburgh. It was one of the first horror hosts in the whole country. And George used to always watch his show, and he came to my dad and said, hey, I have this little movie I'm making, uh, Night of the Living Dead, I'd like you to be in. Well, it was called the uh, Night of the Flesh Eaters then. Oh. And, uh, yeah, asked my dad to be in it, and... Uh, so my dad, when it was filmed and it was in the can, my dad would constantly plug it. And Chiller Theater was the biggest show here in Pittsburgh at the, at the, in the 60s. It was in the 70s into the 80s. I mean, Greg Nicotero took my dad's backdrop and has it in his office. And he sits in front of a stool. He was such a big fan of my dad's. I mean, everybody that grew up in Pittsburgh in the 60s and 70s knows my dad. So George asked me to be in it. And, you know, kindly, George always thanked my dad for his career um, whenever he could. And um, it was just wonderful. So anyway, fast forward many years later, because I went to that original showing of Night of the Living Dead when it was in Pittsburgh. And I was terrified. I hated horror movies. I hated I was always afraid as a kid anyway. I didn't want to get extra you know, fear in me. So I, I remember standing out in the lobby the whole time. It was 50 some years ago. And um, so anyway, fast forward, I go to Carnegie Mellon, study theater, moved to New York, and I had a really nice career in New York. I did a lot of theater, television, 
I got on a soap opera right away, The Edge of Night, Ryan's Hope. Mm-hmm. And um, I was doing a, a play with this wonderful, great American playwright. His name was Craig Lucas. And um, George came to see, I hadn't seen George in all those years, and he came to see the play. This was on, um, in New York. I lived there many years. And the character that I played in Reckless was a character that was on stage the whole time. And it was a serious comedy, sort of tragedy. And uh, so afterwards, he, he uh, invited me out to dinner. We went out for old time's sake with my, you know, my dad was not there. But anyway, he said, I'm writing, I've written this part. I would like you to play it. And I was just like that. I mean, wow, you know. And George also went to Carnegie Mellon. So he knew that, you know, you have a really good training when you go there, um, you learn to do all the classics and, you know, you really do theater. And um, I had already been on Broadway and all that. And so when he asked me to do it, it, yeah, that was just fabulous. But at the time, you know, horror movies were not so as respected in my, in my, you know, in my field. I mean, my agent was like, really? I said, yes, it's a wonderful part. Read this part. It's fabulous. Female part. And uh, so I did it, and grateful that I did, because it's, it is a wonderful part and a wonderful script, and I was very honored to be a part of it. Now, there are some contradictory stories out there. Did George write the role with you in mind, or did he write the role and then figured out that he wanted you to play it? Well, he was writing it, and then... He had a, a, another script that he was writing at the time, and then he wrote it for me as he was, um, yeah, as as he was, you know, creating the part. Okay, so. okay, that clears that up. Now, yeah. was it? Yeah, he, oh, go on. He asked me to, I, so I auditioned people with him, um, so I would read with other actors when they would um, audition for the part. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, now... Was it important, because you just mentioned this yourself, uh, a leading female role back in the 80s. How important was it to you to make Sarah not the cliche horror uh, type uh, lead female act- a character? Uh, was it important to you to change the aspect of what women were looked at, especially in the horror genre back in the 80s? Right. Well, you know, I think that was uh, to George's credit and also um, the the parts I would always play usually were leading lady types and strong females in a lot of the stuff that I did. My voice is low. I'm very tall. And I think that it it just that's where it sat with me um, when I would read it. And so, you know, and it was very uh, we created it together. and it was it was uh, it was ahead of its time in a way because I was not like I said I wasn't a big horror fan. Now I am. I've learned so much from the fans, and I I love it now. And uh, after a lot of psychoanalysis, I'm not as afraid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it was um, yeah. I just it it, it 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 was ahead of its time. I just knew that character. I didn't know a lot of horror movies, so I had nothing to not play it as except the way we played it, you know? Being a horror fan now, are you proud that horror, the horror genre is one of the top genres in both TV and film right now? It's, it's amazing. Yes, I'm very proud. I mean, 
we knew we had something special when we made Day of the Dead and we're so disappointed that it didn't catch on then. Um, and so to see that people have found it and are, are love it and study it, in fact, at Pitt, uh, University of Pittsburgh, um, they have George's archives and now they're gathering my father's archives because he had an incredible career in television. Um, so there, there's actually a studies of horror of horror at the University of Pitt. Um, and a lot of it involves George's movies. And so it, it, it's such a it's such a great genre. There's so much to it, so much good psychological stuff. You know, Bettelheim did the study, the uh, fairy tales of children, uh, the children's fairy tales. And these are not to be sloughed off. There is so much to them. And I learned that through the fans. The fans are so bright. Especially, I found with Day of the Dead, they are really knowledgeable, incredibly interesting, and um, smart people. Absolutely. Now, I always tell my viewers that classics are not recognized as soon as the movie is released. History is the judge of what will become a classic. Day of the Dead is a classic. Uh, history has made its decision. It is a classic. Uh, do you agree with that? That, you know, history and time will determine a movie's fate and where it ends up? Yes. And, and in fact, that's that's very smart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> John, I mean, I, I never thought of it that way, but absolutely. I mean, that's that's quite a thing. I mean, I never would have thought that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was 10, yeah. 20 years after and then. And, and then it started to pick up. You know, then there was always this debate. Is this like Dawn of the Dead? It's not Dawn of the Dead. We don't like this movie. It's too dark. And then, you know, it wasn't meant to be Dawn of the Dead, but um, which is a great movie, of course. Um, but it was just kind of misunderstood. And I think as time went on, you know, it, it uh, got its due. Absolutely. I, I'm a photographer also. And my photography is very in-your-face kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, after the, in in one of the wars, the Iraq War, I took photographs. I went. I had the honor of going to Walter Reed, and um, because of Day of the Dead, actually, and I was able to take some photographs of the the soldiers coming back. And that was a time when our president, it was President Bush, wouldn't let us see the caskets, you know, mm -hmm. uh, of the soldiers coming back. And I remember so, that. Yeah, I was so pissed, and I. So I got these shots and got the soldiers' permission, and they were kind of, some of them were very uh, difficult, but I was able to have them in the show, and um, yeah, it was quite controversial, but it was something that, it had to be in your face, and that's why I liked Day of the Dead. It was very in your face. You know that one scene you showed when Sarah chops the arm off, and George takes the camera and goes right into it. I mean, to me, that was so brave um, of him to do, you know? It wasn't any. It wasn't like pornography or anything in a sense, but, but it was so real and yeah. so uh, horrific. Mm -hmm. And I love truth in these things. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. George Romero has been known to make social commentary in all of his movies. Let's just single out Day of the Dead. In your opinion, what is the underlying message that George wanted? the audience to know in regards to Day of the Dead? Oh, I think 
there are a few messages. Um, of course, from my point of view as Sarah, the strong female character, um, it was about time that women were represented. I mean, that's the time of Alien. And of course, Alien was a big budget film and a wonderful film too, but we were like the lower budget uh, art film kind of. And uh, I was very proud to play that kind of a female that wasn't the victim all the time, you know, which uh, seemed to be the, the, the films prior, uh, before that. And I think just the desolate um, feeling of, um, that things aren't so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Things aren't always so wonderful and that it, it is dark. And uh, do we really trust our government? And do, you know, it was, um, and I think coming off of, off of um, um, uh, Dawn of the Dead, thank you, sorry. Um, I think that you know that was that was brave too to sort of like flip. It wasn't funny. I mean, it it wasn't. There was different kind of humor to it, but you know, to to start, you know, we came out of the Vietnam War and we just weren't as innocent in the eighties. You know, things were starting to turn. I mean, look at the way they are now. My goodness, there's so much good stuff being made around the the what's happening in our country now. I think that there's so many wonderful horror films coming out because we know it now in our soul. And I think that George um, in Day of the Dead really uh, started that that bleakness, um, you know. He, uh, he, well, now he is recognized as a pioneer. Back then it was controversial what he was doing, but now he is getting the due that, well, and has been for a long time, that he deserved back in the 80s. But again, we go back to that history thing and history is what determines uh, pioneers like George Romero and so on. Now, moving on, since the role of Sarah was written with you in mind, I assume as an actor, you did not have to do much prep uh, for the role, or am I completely wrong? Well, there's always prep, you know. I mean, I, that's the training I come from. It's There's always a lot of work involved in figuring out many aspects of the character. I was worried, I remember, because I had never really, I've done a lot of television at that point, and as I said, really more theater, but I had never shot out of sequence or, you know, never did a film uh, before with that magnitude of, and that, that uh, the depth of the character like that. So... For me, it was a totally new experience. So to build the character, and I, I was worried that she was just sort of like a one tone in the beginning because she was holding it together, really. And um, so I had to look for the moments where she lets her guard down and becomes actually probably a stronger person by emotionally by breaking down and letting her true self come up. You know, she was always yeah. on guard. So playing always on guard like that, I was concerned that it, there wasn't enough nuance to the character. Um, but I think it all worked out. I think it did too. And we saw Sarah's arc from the beginning of the film, just putting on the brave face and her relationship with Miguel all the way to the very end where you are the last one standing. You and the other two got away. And we are left to assume you guys live out the rest of your days on that island, which right. is uh, it's a great ending in my opinion. Now, 
you had some very intense scenes throughout the whole movie. Was it physically uh, rough uh, just having to shoot some of those scenes? Yes, it was. Uh, I was in good shape at that point, you know, because I was in my early 30s and, you know, we'd do all that stuff for theater, do dance, whatever, everything. You're always in pretty good shape. And the the cave was so grueling, I can't tell you. We all got sick. You could hear water dripping all the time. There was a there was a place we would go into the mine, and it was uh, some office space, but it was office space with rock walls. And then you'd go into the cave itself, which was just a door away, open a door, and there it was, and there were 27 miles of um, of lake in there, and just these little light bulbs, the way you see it is the way it was. I mean, they would store, I heard that they did store uh, like some of the Beatles' uh, original tapes because the temperature was very consistent, and there were governments, there was government stuff down there, and RVs where uh, people would keep their RVs and their boats in there. But these lakes, they're, you know, they didn't want the guys to go off on the um, on those little go-karts or you know golf carts because it's, if they would go really deep in there they could go into one of these lakes so we were all like pretty freaked out by that but we got sick we all got so sick yeah. you know it was just uh, really it was a long shoot we shot for three months so it's true that uh, the stories you did get physically ill and then but you still pressed on with the shooting Oh, sure. You know, we had a doctor on the set and it, I, there was a flu. I just remember having the flu in the one scene um, where in the Ritz, when I'm back there talking and Terry has this wonderful uh, scene, of, you know, the tombstone in the hall yeah. talking about what's back there. Yeah. And um, I had like a 103 temperature. That was terrible. But, you know, the show must go on. I mean. That's the way it goes. You break your leg, you still show up. <laughs> I totally get it. Now, uh, was Day of the Dead like all of of uh, other of George's movies shot on location in Pittsburgh? Well, it was in Wampum, Pennsylvania, which was about an hour and a half away from Pittsburgh. I was I lived in New York at the time, but my daughter was about six to she was like seven months to uh, a year. She learned to walk on the set. In fact, the exteriors were shot in. Florida, um, all the things you see, was at Bowman's Beach in, um, right outside of Fort Lauderdale, um, in Sanibel. And um, so that was really nice. We went down there. Um, but in the cave, a lot of, uh, yeah, so the, the it, a lot of his films, most of them actually, were filmed here until he moved to Canada, of course. And, um, yeah. So... Day of the Dead. We, as the audience, are, we are because of the beginning of the of the movie. The I'm assuming that's where you said the Florida scenes were shot. We are to believe that the whole movie takes place in Florida. Is that accurate? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what did it feel like for you being the only woman in a male dominated cast? Uh, was it awkward? Did you did they all make you feel at home? I mean, oh sure, George's sets are fantastic. I mean, you feel like part of this team of people. There were a lot of women on the sets, just not in the movie, exactly, right? Yeah. Except the zombies. So uh, you know, 
actually Cletus and Barbara were uh, Barbara Anderson and Cletus Anderson, the set design and the costume design. They were my professors at Carnegie Mellon. So, um, I, you know, we do crew for the all you know the, the plays and stuff, and I'd always get to sew the costumes or whatever. But they were my professors. You know, there were all these wonderful family connections. It felt like you know, just he had such a. Oh, the the crew was fantastic. Uh, the makeup guys, you know, Tom and uh, of course Greg now, who's so famous. <laughs> We're gonna get to them in a second. Yeah, trust me. Uh, now, Joseph Pilato, who did great portraying Rhodes, the character that everybody hated. Okay, sadly, uh, he passed away several years ago. A very sad thing. Uh, in the movie, he got a very gruesome death. In the movie, do you feel his character got the death that he deserved in the movie? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Even though he was still talking, with his neck was like half off. You know, Joe. <laughs> we always still, actually, we still imitate Joe in some of the scenes because he just always made me laugh. I mean, I would break tape sometimes. Because he was just—he's uh, a very good actor. He was a really good theater actor, you know. And uh, but we would get so silly after a while, especially when we shot the scene in the that big conference room. Oh my God! It took like five days to shoot that, and we were getting punchy, you know. And uh, because I'm tall, I'm like five nine, and Joe was a little bit shorter. He had to wear these shoes that had these lifts in it, and I kept on laughing because he was clomping around, acting tough. But he did such a good job. He was such a good actor. Absolutely, he was amazing in that movie. Now, yeah. Day of the Dead has one of the most memorable massacres by zombies at the end of it. Okay, just absolute mayhem. You, your character was in the tunnels, so your character did not get to witness while all the others left behind were being eaten alive, literally. Uh, but during filming, did you get to see Tom Savini at work doing all that makeup, getting all the preparation? What was that like? Fantastic. I wanted to hang with those guys. They were funny. You know, they were, well, I mean, George was funny too, but we were very serious trying to get the shot. You know, it was on film and they had to, Russia. It was very. It, there was a, a, of course, a serious, big serious uh, factor there. But they were had. They had so much fun in there, and I was like jealous. I wanted to go goof around with them, you know, because they were funny and be one of the boys. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's it's, why I worked in the movie, but they were. I totally agree with you. Just like I want to see that. I want to see that now. As you mentioned. Greg Nicotero did have a part in the movie. His head ended up on top of a table. Uh, right. You know, 1980s was really sort of like the start of Greg Nicotero's career back then. Is there anything that he did on that set that he would be embarrassed got out today that, you know, you know, did he do anything? Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> um... I mean, we wish, I mean, he's so phenomenally great with his makeup company now. Of course, the executive producer of the Walking Dead series, Creep Show. He's got his own show. I mean, you can't feel anything but just happiness for what he's achieved. 
He's such a he's a good friend, and he was 19, I think, on the set of Day, and I was in my early 30s, and I just I loved him because he was such a good kid, you know, and very bright and um, eager to learn, and uh, you know, Tom really taught him a lot, and they're they're best of friends now. I had them both on the show together. I saw that. Yeah, yeah that's. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know that I live in a place called Squirrel Hill, and Tom lives in a place called um, what's it's the Italian neighborhood? Oh my God, uh, Bloomfield. Okay. And it's right down. It's I could walk to his house wow. pretty much. Wow. Yeah. So we're all like, honestly, like family. I mean, I'm glad, glad to be back in Pittsburgh. I raised my kids here. I came back when I shot Day. We got a sense of what it was like to have both sets of grandparents. Um, we only had one day off, but um, my daughter was with me, able to be with me. Um, and and uh, so my husband, who happened to be from Pittsburgh, I met him in New York, uh, he, he was able to come into Pittsburgh and you know we got to see what it was like to have both sets of uh, grandparents. And um, you know, it was, it was four years later after my son was born that we decided to come back here and my agent said, Lori, you're never going to be able to work again if you go back to Pittsburgh. And, you know, at that point, it was really, it was a choice that I made because I wanted to be there and raise my kids. And I knew how great Pittsburgh was. And I did some theater here at the City Theater. Um, we, but I have many other interests, too. Yeah, and I have a great career up until that point. Yeah, I mean, George Romero put Pittsburgh on the movie-making map uh, forever. Oh. Forever and right. ever and ever. Did he give you any kind of leeway uh, when it come when it came down to the you know shooting your scenes on Day of the Dead? Maybe ad libbing here or there, or you trying to make the character more to what you felt uh, Sarah should be. Yeah, I, it was so collaborative, and George was always open to our ideas, all the actors' ideas. Um, it, it was a it was a communal creation, uh, of course, led by him and masterminded by him, and he was the main genius on that on the sets. But he also gave us a voice. So after we would shoot, sometimes we would talk about the character um, characters. Everybody would meet with George and you know say, well, do you think it's going right this way? And also we used to sit in on the dailies. You know, um, that's when. Like I said, it was shot on film, so we would the, it would be shipped off to New York and processed and come back, and we could sit and watch the dailies and sort of see how the character was going. He was very open to us being there and discussing the character, and yeah, it was uh, George was always open. Yeah, some of it was not ad libbed. I mean, yeah, I was always see that's the other thing I was trained never change a writer's words. You just don't do that. But um, George, you know, I was just a little intimidated to do that. But I, you know, I, after a while, you get to know each other so well. He was very open to that. Now, Tom Savini and obviously Greg Nicotero have went on to direct. Tom Savini uh, directed the remake of Night of the Living Dead back in 1990. Do you think both of them, in your opinion, Greg Nicotero, obviously big-time executive producer now, director... Uh, you think they, if you were to guess, you think their biggest inspiration was George Romero? Oh, my God. No, without a doubt. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Well, I have to tell you something, though. My dad, believe it or not, was uh, an inspiration to George and to um, Tom. Tom used to come up to my dad's show and dress like a vampire (laughs) to be on the show. That sounds just so much like him. It is. It's really true. I have pictures. Uh, it's so funny. And and Greg, uh, like I said, he just loved my dad. And uh, and George came to visit my dad when he died five years ago this July. He knew he was going to die, and he got all these letters from all over the world. I asked for the people to say how they appreciated him. So uh, he got millions. Oh, just so many. I cannot tell you. And um, uh, George came to visit my dad. Uh, a week before he died. Yeah, uh, it was wow. great. Mm-hmm. So I want everybody to be clear on this. Your dad was the person that we saw on TV doing the newscast in Night of the Living Dead. Right. He is Bill Cardill. There are a couple of um, uh, news people, but my dad was the reporter on the scene. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. That is so cool. I mean, it's just amazing. You guys, not only on the set, but outside with Greg, yourself, Tom, you guys are really a family that are bonded for life. And yeah, Uh, Joe died, and now um, Gary died. Gary, who played Steel, he just ALS. I mean, I saw him. I just want to cry. Such a he was such a close friend. We all became very close. to this day, you know, even still. though even though he played like a, a hard ass, you know, he was he, he looked like a big teddy bear. <laughs> and he was he was a gentle giant. He used to play for the Saints. Really? He broke his, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he he uh, he severed his Achilles heel or tendon. Yeah. So he was out. But that's how big he was and handsome. Was that during filming? No, it was way before that. Way before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 36, uh, 36 years later now from the movie and it's has its place in film history. Do you, uh, get recognized still, uh, if you go to certain places, Hey, aren't you Sarah from day of the dead? Uh, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't No. Was there okay. any point, uh, like late eighties no. and the nineties, you just, incognito people just did not i was happy i mean i never want but was in it for you know i didn't i grew up with my dad being famous in pittsburgh which is like being famous in the world because everybody would stop us and wherever we would eat dinner and you know the whole thing and it's not it was never anything that attracted me um you know to have that recognition recognition for the work is what i which is wonderful now, you know, for me to have. But as far as fame, I was on a soap opera. I got more fame on that, you know. People would come up to me about that when I was younger. <laughs> Winter Austin, who was a, an ex-porno uh, queen with a heart of gold. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at your career timeline, uh, you're still active in, like, making shorts and stuff. But there's a big gap between 98 and 2011. Uh did you just make a conscious decision to just leave acting behind and then you're like, let me go back to it? What was the, what was that big break for? Well, you know, I had to be in New York to have a, I mean, my career is starting to get bigger and it's full time. I mean, you are working on your work and getting work constantly. You have to be either in New York or LA at that time, you know? 
And my children, like I said, really, it was important to me that they be here. And um, it wasn't so easy for a, a, a woman to be in the in the business. It was all or nothing. They didn't care. I saw my agent a week after I had a cesarean. And he said, oh, you look so tired. I said, well, I did have a baby. You know, it just we don't want to hear about you being pregnant. It was not very good. And I just, you know, honestly, what happened, too, was that I – I came back to Pittsburgh and had to um, deal with some things that I had been uh, have been coming up for me. I was horribly abused by my uncle, who was a, a doctor during my childhood. And um, I wrote a book about it. It's called I'm Going to Tell, an Offbeat Tale of Survival. So I started writing and uh, dealing with that, which is a long story that was very convoluted. And I was working with the FBI. My uncle was a doctor. And... It was bad, but wow. I had to deal with that stuff. Um, yeah, so, you know, I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have done that work without, uh, you know, being in the industry. It was just I wouldn't have had the time nor the the patience and the um, the privilege, really. Well, I had great, great people that helped me. Kudos to you for speaking up, writing the book. I mean double kudos that's awesome that you did that and you know the courage to write it into a book that has i mean for me that's nothing but respect right there so i mean thank you for sharing your story uh with that uh now uh, let's talk about the remake of day of the dead okay came out in the 2000s i'm going to give you my personal opinion i did not like the movie Okay, I did not like the movie having the title Day of the Dead. The only similarities for me were the characters' names. Everything else, yeah, in the military aspect, sure. But everything else was just completely different. Did you get a chance to ever watch the remake of Day of the Dead? No, I, I didn't. And um, I have great respect for, I think it was Mena Savari that played the part. Yes. Was it? Yes. Yeah. She's like phenomenal. But I heard that it had nothing to do with it, and I, you know, I don't want to put anybody down. But the people, I think, the people that owned it, they didn't care about the quality. They just want, you know, of course, it's to make money. Yeah. And so it hadn't, you know, from what I hear, it just had nothing to do with it. It's uh, there's never been, uh, I think, a, an honest attempt to make it uh, with quality that it had, uh, which is okay. It's not. It's not a bad thing. It's just not. A remake. It's not. It's yeah. not. And I tell everybody, the remake of Day of the Dead, just the character names and a little bit of the military aspect, it has nothing else to do with the original movie. And I'm all for doing a reboot of a movie and making it your own, but if that movie had a different title of besides Day of the Dead, it would have been okay. But we're sitting here watching... Day of the Dead remake, looking for some similarities to the to the original with these filmmakers' take on it, and it just never came to fruition. And I think that's why a lot of people felt very disappointed. And that goes in direct opposition to the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which came out in 2004, which was a fabulous remake. It was it was right. just absolutely fabulous. So, yeah, you know, if you haven't yeah. seen it, I mean, it's not a priority. Yeah, go see, yeah, go see the original. And uh, 
I mean, if you if you really want to study it, I think that to study George's work, it's worth seeing Day of the Dead. They're making a TV show out of it now. I heard, um, so that'll be interesting because I hear it not doesn't have much to do with it, but they got a lot of flack from the fans, and maybe they're making it more. Yeah, you see, um, when it comes to classics like Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, that title means a lot to the true diehard fans. So right, right. you got to be very careful as a filmmaker. If you're going to use the title and there's a big fan base, you know, a devoted fan base. And if they don't see, they're watching it to see your spin on the old story and maybe how much you've changed it around. But if it goes too far off course, that's when you get the, the negative pushback and, and so on. Right. How much do you think? Oh, go on. I wanted, I I really thought it would be interesting. I often talk to George about, why don't you take these last three characters? You know, we're all still alive, the three actors. (laughs) So wouldn't it be interesting to see, you know, to make that, uh, to see what happened to them? Uh, You know, I thought that would have been interesting. Um, Yeah, but I don't know. I guess George didn't. (laughs) But I think it would be interesting. I would have too. I mean, what happens? I mean, like I said, we're left to presume you guys are on that island and you live out the rest of your days in in peace. You know, the world is gone. The world has, you know, civilization has fallen and there's no bringing it back, which is like in opposition. I don't know if you watched The Walking Dead. The whole premise Mm -hmm. of The Walking Dead is them trying to rebuild civilization which right. seems like it's a really steep uphill battle for them. How that turns out, we're still, uh, you know, right. left to be seen. Now, how much of Laurie is in the character of Sarah of Day of the Dead? I would say uh, what I had to go through as a kid and uh, um what I had to face and fight for and work with the FBI and all this stuff, you know, there, there, I discovered that there was a lot of me in, or Sarah in me or me and Sarah. Um, you don't know your strength until you have to really, you know, kind of break down and rebuild yourself and, um, and face these horrible things. You have to face them and then hopefully you can change people's uh, attitudes and, and educate people and as I said my photography a lot of it is in your face kind of stuff and um, you know so I I, I think that um, there there always was a lot because I had to survive that stuff as a kid and um, there was a part of me that was able to you know do that uh, my psyche was able to compartmentalize that aspect of my life and so there was a certain strength that I had, I think. And also in my training, um, there's this, uh, you know, the show must go on. As we were talking earlier that you just, I was really um, very, very disciplined uh, actor and uh, really took the craft very seriously. And, and so, yes, I think there's a lot of me in that character. I'm a little goofier. I have a lot of <laughs> really black humor and I love to laugh. And I wanted to be with the boys and play with them. And my kids were just all jagoffs, as we call them, Pittsburgh. We're all jagoffs. My husband's a jagoff. And um, my son, he's a he produced um, The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan. Um, really? Ken Parsons. Yeah. He was the main producer on that. Now That's he's so cool. Yeah, he's very. Jake Rogal is his name. You must, and my be, daughter, you must be so proud. 
I am. I am. He already has two Emmys. He's like 34. Wow. Wow. Uh, now, you... And my daughter. Oh, she's so talented, too. Jeez, oh, man. Well, talent runs yeah. in the family. Absolutely. You know. We're all like carnival people. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioning the idea of George maybe uh, going back to see what the remaining three of the Day of the Dead were up to. One of our reviewers just posed this question, and it's very interesting. You know, Greg is heavily involved, obviously, as an executive producer in The Walking Dead. Now, putting the whole rights issues of the movies and shows aside for a second, if Greg Nicotero were to approach you and say, you know what, wouldn't it be great if we bring those three survivors in some way, some fashion from Day of the Dead into the Walking Dead storyline, would you do that? Uh, yeah, I would. For, yeah, I mean, I would love Greg. I would do. You know, I I said to him, "Why don't you make a movie about these last three characters?" You know, I said, "Go ahead, do it. It's interesting. You know, it does. It, it would be very. It could be. I mean, I always wanted to play Sarah. Like, at, this is funny because I said to George in the beginning, I said, "George, it would be great if I could like." She has her like a missing tooth and her hair, like sort of like Road Warrior, yeah. you know, that her hair was all, she was really gritty like that. He said, Lori, that's a different kind of movie, darling. <laughs> so, so, you know, but it would be fun to play, you know, to really make it gritty and interesting and dark. And um, I think it it's a great idea. And I didn't even think of it until you mentioned, you know, let's see what these characters are up to 36 years later. Uh, yeah, they're, now they're right very tied up uh, <laughs> uh who were your biggest influences uh in the industry when you you know well first of all when did you realize at what age did you really you said you went to carnegie uh but when did it really hit you that acting is what you wanted to pursue in life well it's funny i i um I did, um, when I was 14, I started working, um, doing runway modeling because I was tall and thin and, uh, that's what I did. I started working very young and it was, it certainly, it was a interesting profession, but it wasn't enough for me. It felt kind of there. I, I felt like I took on the clothes and I wanted to do a certain thing. And there was more I felt inside me that I wanted to express. And honest to God, it was my senior class play. In, in my senior year, I I was on stage and I made the audience laugh and I thought this is great. And then I heard that Carnegie Mellon is like one of the best schools in theater, you know, um, in the country. That that and Juilliard. And so I auditioned and I got in. And I was, I was shocked, but I did. And then yeah, and then they they graduated eleven kids. <laughs> That's how how rigorous it was. And, uh, you know, I loved it. I, it was, I think, because of my childhood. And I was able to, I'm kind of a shy person, but with, um, with acting, I could really become something, a, a character, and bring all of these emotions that I felt in my heart to, to the stage. And I learned, in a way, how to feel on stage, really, to become a, a whole person, as sick as that may sound. It was a very, uh, you know, it was a way to um, sublimate my uh, trauma. That is, and, 
it was it was a great well and what you're saying it's it was your way of coping it was a great outlet for you right almost every guest that i've had on uh has had stage experience started out on stage for us people that are not actors uh for me personally i think it's just absolutely terrifying to be in front of uh on stage in front of a live audience um but almost every actor that I've spoken to, they say that is where like their big passion lies. And is that true for you as well? Oh, sure, yeah. And the thing is that you are so prepared to perform on stage when the play opens that you are that character. Mm -hmm. I, if you ask me to go up and talk in front of a lot of people, I am, oh, I'm terrified, I'm terrified. But to be prepared, in a character that you've worked on for the many weeks of rehearsal, which is the most wonderful part of it all anyway, because you're so creative, you know, and trying these different things out. And so that, that was, uh, yeah, it was wonderful. It was very hard to give up. I didn't realize how much of my identity was wrapped up in it, how much of my heart and creativity was wrapped up. I was a little bit tired. I started working at 14. I and you know I left New York and I was about 35 years old and uh, continued theater here, but you know not the big career and um, you know I did a lot of uh, yeah I I really did get to do a lot and so I'm grateful I'm maybe I wasn't famous and that's okay. No, you're, hey, you know what? To true horror fans, you are famous. Oh. Uh, it's funny when you talk about that stage and the whole live issue. When it comes to my show, people ask, oh, so your show is actually live. And we're like, yeah, you know, dead talk live. For me, I could not imagine not doing this show live because I think we are our own worst critics. And if I had to do this show where I had to edit it afterwards, I would never be satisfied. Right. At least live, there's no do-overs. It's done. You can't put the cat back in the bag. So it, right. personally for me, it's what makes me feel comfortable. And that's why I love doing live shows where I don't have to worry. If I do something wrong, if I screw up, oh, well, it's out there for the world to see. There's no taking it back. Uh, yeah, wonderful. That's so lovely because you're really giving of yourself to everybody. You. you know, you're thank hanging you. out as vulnerable as you can be and, uh, you know, creating with the guest. And, and isn't that, that's a high calling. Absolutely. I, 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 I love doing this. I love doing this. Now, let's get to your interaction with uh, uh, the character of Miguel on Day of the Dead, Anthony DeLeo Jr. Uh, you guys had great chemistry. I, I mean, I remember I watched Day of the Dead as a kid. When it came out in 85, I was 11 years old. I was born in 74. Uh, and I watched nice. it dozens and dozens of times growing up. I I cannot even tell you how many times I've seen Day of the Dead. And maybe it's because I was young. A lot of the, throughout the majority of the movie, I really could not be sure if Sarah and Miguel were actually in a relationship or not. There was never that moment where you guys, you know, shared an intimate moment. Was that done on purpose to keep the audience guessing? Or were the two characters just really trying to keep it a secret? No, I think that she, at that point, uh, when the movie is, you know, is in progress, 
she's just kind of feels she does feel sorry for him and kind of pities him at that point i think and um and she loved him at one time i think that at one time they were great lovers and had a wonderful relationship um but you know everything got to him and uh and she was you know a little bit stronger and I, I don't. There was not that sexual tension in there at all. Yeah. If there's any sexual tension, it's between Rhodes and her. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's that yeah. undertone there in the beginning opening sequence where we see the dream sequence of you in that room and the hands coming through the wall. Is it true that that wall fell on you during filming? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I hope it wasn't made out of anything heavy. No, it wasn't. It was. Like a styrofoam, you know, the wall itself, when I go up to the wall and put my hand on, there's a real room when I'm sitting there, there was a real room with concrete walls that we, it was a square room and we filmed in there. But then of course we went aside and they made that, they made the uh, styrofoam, it was styrofoam, like kind of a heavy styrofoam. So when, uh, this is 1980s, no CGI really existed. So I assume the wall was there behind it. There were dozens of people, and they just, right. boom, popped their hands right through that wall. Yeah, and the, the force, I don't know why, you know, it makes sense. Of course it would fall on me, you know, but we, oh, it was, it was hysterical. And my husband's hands were always protecting my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they had to build that again. The other thing was the chopping of the arm. That took it. Uh, that was a disaster. The first time we did it too. What happened? Well, Tim um, Anthony, his arm was buried. Poor guy. He was on that ground, that wet ground, and it was buried underneath him. His real arm. So it was deep in there, and they they made the arm out of something uh, that. The second arm was made out of wax, so it worked. But the first time, I don't know what it was made out of, but I went and I chopped it and it just bounced right off. It, it, it bounced right off. So you have this, it's like the wall, you know, you have this really serious moment and everybody, and then ha- that happens, everybody starts laughing and yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I just have this image of you trying to chop that arm off and the machete, the fake prop, I hope it's a prop machete, coming back and hit, whacking you back in the face. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> oh my God, that's hysterical. But, uh, and you know, also there were fake bats. Well, there were so many bats in that cave, but we had to use fake bats in the scenes. You know, they had these little wires and they go flying. Sometimes the bat during the <laughs> sometimes the bat would get stuck and it would just sort of like swing. <laughs> Yeah, but there were real bats, but we didn't oh, use those. It sounds like so much fun being on that set. Is it true that the guts and the uh, intestines that they that Tom used for the special effects were actual real pig intestines that um, Tom brought in and whatnot from a slaughterhouse? Yes. Yes, and they were left in a in a container that was supposed to be refrigerated. Somehow, I don't know the whole story exactly, but it, they brought it in there. So when they they did the scene, they were rotten and they smelled so bad. Everybody was gagging, and Joe had like stuff stuck, stuck up his nose. It was so bad; they were throwing up on the side. That's how bad it was. Oh yeah. God, I can imagine the stink. Doing <laughs> doing both TV and film, which did you find more enjoyable? Oh, film. Yeah, there's more time. Um, 
you get close to everybody. TV is like, okay, take, you know, you do, you do it and they say, okay, next, next scene. You don't even get to explore it or anything. It's just like, oh, I didn't like that take, but no, it doesn't matter. You just go, you go on, yeah. you know, well, the thing about the soap operas at the time, they were filmed as if they were live. So we worked all day, and then when we would film it, um, in the studio there would be like three big cameras filming it, and it would go like it was live. They would shoot it, okay, commercial break, and then we'd just take a break, and then it would go right into the scene. So they would just move. It was like in a circle, the sets, you know. So that shot differently. But like nighttime television, um, that uh, was done on film, you know, a lot of that was – Pretty quick. I did do a the wonderful show called Parole. It was the police did the music for it. Can you imagine? Ooh, sting. Um, they were, yeah, it was the police at that time. And it was a Stigwood uh, production. And it was a CBS movie. And Ellen Barkin was in it. And I was a flautist for the Boston Symphony. And my husband was James Naughton, who was uh, a parole officer. The name of the movie was Parole. Um, it, it really, it played a lot as a movie, but it was supposed to be a series. Mm-hmm. And when they tested it, this too was ahead of its time. They tested it. They said, oh, audiences don't want to see con of the week, crime of the week. That's like, oh my God, wait, we are ahead of our time then yeah. too. Yeah, things have changed. We are almost out of time. I do want to ask you uh, a final question. You were in an episode of one of my favorite shows growing up, and that's Tales from the Dark Side. Okay. I believe you played a character. Her name was Florence Bravo, who suffered a mental break. What was your experience like on Tales from the Dark Side? That was a wonderful shoot. I really enjoyed that. That was um, that character was a very interesting character because you don't know whether she really saw ghosts or Mm -hmm. she's had yeah. So it was a, a meaty, meaty role also. I really enjoyed playing that character. Yeah, that was a wonderful experience. Another example of how even back then, you know, playing with horror anthologies and how big horror anthologies are becoming today. You know? I know. You know, they were just, it just goes to show you all the people back then that were real visionaries and foresaw what was coming. And today, I mean, horror anthologies are popping up left and right, left and right. I just lovely. I was on the Equalizer too. That's I see now as a show again. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, British gentleman. Um, I, I was. I had a guest starring role on that one episode, but it was cool. Absolutely. Look, looking back on your career, uh, do you have any regrets? Oh gosh, I guess everybody has some regrets. Sometimes I would. Uh, uh, I think sometimes I sabotage some of my auditions that I didn't want and. Um, I don't know. Yeah, those I regret that kind of stuff because I didn't want to move to California or something. And it was a really good part. I mean, I was just goofy. But I um, I don't regret. No, my kids are such great kids. I have a wonderful family filled with love and joy and laughter. So heartache, too, sometimes. I have, to, but, I have three teenagers. Oh, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when people ask me, wouldn't you want to be 20 again? I would like the only way I would be 20 again is if I can have the wisdom of being 46 oh, I know. back at 20. Otherwise, I, I do not want to go through that again. <laughs> no, I love the wisdom at my age, which is old too. Older, <laughs> older. 
But you know what? I would act again. I mean, I would do things. Again. I will. I mean, people come to me with projects, and if I'm interested, I'll do them. I like to help students out with their student films, and I love, you know, if the part is interesting or the concept, I, you know, you yeah, the, your ability. Yeah. You don't lose your No, no. I, almost every actor I've had on here is saying that the thought of retirement never even crosses their mind. Robert Joy once told me that the thought of retiring from acting is like asking somebody to stop breathing. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. and you don't have to be in front of the screen to contribute. Mm -hmm. You can contribute to be a mentor and do so many other beautiful things in the industry. Oh, yeah. I love to talk to students and, you know, I, I'd like to teach, uh, you know, all that. Absolutely. It's yeah. And give back. I like to give back and I love meeting the fans. They're so wonderful and kind and and interesting and thank you for having me today this Absolutely. was great this hour just flew by Lori. you're incredible thank you so much for being here my thank executive you. producer who is also my brother wanted me to say a very special thank you from him as well he is my brother nine years older than me so when day of the dead came out he was much older and appreciated it and he grew up on with horror and him being a horror fan is why I became a horror fan. You know, the little brother wanting to be the big brother. That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I will. Yeah. I will. Thank you so much. Any last thoughts you want to share with the viewers? Oh, just uh, stay scared, as George would say. <laughs> Absolutely. Laurie, thank you so much again for being on. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been a fascinating interview. Stay safe. And on behalf of Lori and myself, guys, George would say his say. I say stay walking. Good night, everybody. Yeah.